What is up, folks? It's the Emulsion Podcast, hosted by chef and media producer Justin Kana. That's me. The Emulsion is a result of my desire to educate, share, and personally keep myself up to date on stories stirring up the restaurant industry. I also sit down and interview remarkable professionals that are making exciting moves in their own unique and creative ways. Fine dining, chef swaps, new gear, critiques, professional performance, balance, hospitality, as well as the occasional rabbit hole are all just a few of the topics we get into here. With the goal, of course, being that you take off your headphones or get out of your car feeling smart more inspired or more connected than when you pressed play. Where is the long ad read? You will not find that here because the growing gang of amazing folks on Patreon make it possible for me to hit the publish button every single Thursday and I'm eternally grateful for their support. But more on that after this. What is up folks? I just wanted to jump in before this podcast episode starts and give you a couple of quick points here. One, this is a co-hosted slash interview episode I did with my friend Ray. He runs the Line Cook Thoughts podcast, which is linked down below, especially if you like industry podcasts. He's been publishing a ton of episodes lately, and I really want to support him and what he's doing for the industry. Number two, I think that the timing of this interview is particularly important to asterisk because this interview happened in the beginning of April, just as things were really starting to ramp up. And I just wanted to add that before this, because it's getting published later in April. And I think that timing as all of this information is incoming and slowly developing is important. Lastly, I really want to hear from you on your thoughts on things, questions you have on things, because I wasn't sure how I wanted to currently position myself. And I didn't want to speak with information that I didn't have when I was doing this interview. But because of the gravity of what's currently happening and the events that are transpiring, this deserves its own solo podcast episode. And I've been kind of slowly collecting articles and resources and topics that I want to go into deeper. So if you have questions, if you have things that you've seen that you think would be valuable to share, please tweet at me at Justin underscore Kana and hashtag the emulsion. So that way I can find those resources. Uh, You're also welcome to email me. That's through the link, the contact button on my JustinKana.com website. And then I will take any of those, you know, thoughts that you have or uh, resources that you think are valuable and I will share them with everybody. I am going to get out of the way, though, and let you enjoy this conversation. I really, really hope you and yours are healthy. On to the interview. Hey, Justin. Welcome back on to the podcast. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, for those of the listeners who don't know, uh, if you just want to reintroduce yourself, that'd be very helpful. Totally. So my name is Justin Kana. I am based in Seattle. I go by chef. Like that's if, if I had to introduce myself at a party, I would say I was a chef. But um, truly, I am a co-founder of an event production company called Voyager's Table that's based here in Seattle. We have five employees and we do events from Seattle, like the greater Seattle area up to Vancouver, uh, down into San Francisco. And then we have a couple of clients in New York that we take care of uh, throughout the year. And that's all types of events. So stuff that does require food, stuff that doesn't. Um, I am equally in the camp of a lot of other event people at this time because we were supposed to produce an 800 person gala last uh, last weekend that obviously fell through. So I'm, I'm, my business is certainly feeling the ramifications of all of this. Um, but then in addition to that, I produce a bunch of chef-related industry improvement style content on the internet. So my YouTube channel talks about like tips and tricks and uh, gear reviews for professional chefs. I also host my own podcast called The Emulsion that just kind of does deep dives into industry stories that I think uh, are worth uh, just discussing and going into deeper and lending my opinion after almost kind of 10 years in this space. And then, uh, yeah, I also interview people just like uh, kind of what we're doing right now, because I don't think I'm the end all be all of information. So that continues to make sure that I also am improving through my career. 
So that's the TLDR, I hope, uh, for people that don't know. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, Justin also, I mean, obviously he just said he runs his own media sites or his own media platforms, but what always impresses me with you is the amount of information and the amount of education you provide. Uh, I really think your YouTube videos are like really well done. They're really well executed. So if anyone does have the time after this, uh, definitely check out his YouTube channel and his podcast because they're where I get most of my information from when it comes to industry-related topics. So That's dope. Know, and really yeah, well I think every single person that joins that community is encouraged to kind of let their voices be heard too because I just I love seeing when conversations start in the comments because it's I, I, I like that I've created like my own little corner of the internet for places like for people like us you know who you know just love love food and love cooking and kind of nerd out on gear and like to travel and all these sorts of things and so um, yeah I'd encourage everybody to stop by and say hi awesome yeah all right. So uh, the reason I brought you on is obviously because of the coronavirus pandemic that we're going through right now. Um, unprecedented time right now in terms of the impact it's having on our industry, uh, people that are affected by it. And I really wanted to just start out with your like first reaction over the last few weeks, because I know you were traveling a little bit and we really didn't get to talk much when this started to go down. So I kind of wanted to get your take on it when like as you saw it unfold over the last month, really. Totally. I... I'm actually going to take a bit of a counterintuitive point to this because I I do think, Ray, that there's a lot of people who are kind of doing a lot of pontificating and saying, uh, you know, doing a lot of this is unprecedented. No one knows what's going to happen. And yes, that's true. But I've done a lot of I have a couple of links pulled up on my computer here that I just want to chat through to make this as productive for your listeners as possible during this time, because it's so easy to fall into kind of a negativity trap. And I, as, as I stated in my little intro, I'm not not affected by this, right? Like my business took a significant hit. It sucks to have to talk to our contractors and our employees and say like, we don't know what's going to happen over the next couple months. But I, it, if I may, I, I would rather spend this time talking through a lot of kind of productive resources that I've found that I think that your listeners can can use during this time to come out on the other side better. Because I don't think anybody's downplaying this, this all of this and saying, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Like, it's totally fine. Like, people are losing their jobs. They are unable to pay their rent. And it truly sucks. Um to touch on your reaction piece, we were uh, traveling for a wedding in Thailand and also having Anna meet my family in India. Uh, kind of towards the beginning of March, Seattle had just kind of gotten a self-isolation kind of recommendation. It wasn't necessarily like the shelter in place that it is right now. And, mm. you know, we were traveling through Asia as this started to really escalate and I mean, just for whatever reason, like timing was the way that it was. And like our f today, uh, yesterday was actually our two, our finish of our two week quarantine time period. And so, um, yeah, I was seeing it unfold just like everybody else. But we had the crazy luxury of being in Thailand where just matters were like we couldn't sit down at a restaurant without sanitizing our hands. Everybody was wearing masks um, as part of the kind of wedding festivities. We ha had one night where we went up to a rooftop bar and it was inside a hotel. And between the entrance of the hotel to going into the mall to going up the elevators to where the bar was, we got temperature checked three times. Jeez. And so we were uh, effectively feeling much safer in Thailand than, you know, kind of the 
insanity that we were watching unfold on the news. So I guess that that is more or less like my initial reaction, of course. Um, and I, I, I do in, in my talk about productive conversations, I want to share some uh, practical resources that I've seen people being put out there that are more or less either learning opportunities or real defined state of the industry reflections rather than this kind of like, oh, well, this sucks and we don't know where it's going to go from here. So. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you know, brought these to the table. I think it's going to be very helpful. Cool. Um, do you, well, here, let's start with one that I um, have been particularly fond of uh, following and that is Nick Kakonis's Twitter. Do you follow him? I do. Yeah. So he's been, um, they moved very fast at talk to introduce talk to go. Um, basically they're like their takeout delivery style service for restaurants to use. I know one of the big players, at least in town for me is Canlis. They've completely pivoted, um, from their tasting menu style concept and gone to, uh, delivery style, uh, offerings for their guests. So I'm going to read a few off their site now. So they are doing, um, family meal one day per week and the menu changes every single day. And so the delivery is for parties of two to four. It's $48 per person. And that includes a bottle of wine. Um, and so it's dishes like wild mushroom and toasted tomato lasagna, which is a vegetarian option. The next day they have rabbit pot pie. Next day after that is dry aged meatloaf with spicy beet ketchup. Uh, and then Olson farms, roasted pork enchiladas. Like they're not holding back on any of this food. They're still like, uh, going, going ham on the, on the offerings. And then in addition to that, they're doing cocktail kits. They're doing CSA boxes. Um, like it's just, uh, and then they're also doing, uh, deposits for, um, dinner reservations is what it looks like. So I just think that, um, Nick Kikonis is putting out just tons of, like he put out a, a thing two days ago. Did you see this? It's the chart of, um, how tips scale up the salary of front of house versus back of house workers. And it's an Excel spreadsheet that just shows the complete like breakdown of how someone in back of house can make, and I'm reading this chart here, uh, this back of house employee making $9.45 an hour uh, makes $44,000 a year. And with the tips fully maxed out, a front of house person makes $135,000 a year. And it's just completely bonkers. The uh, and it's, this is all like free knowledge he's putting out. He's engaging with other chefs, and just like I think that he's you're getting an intense behind the scenes from a business perspective at our industry that I don't think anybody else has put out for free. Uh, and this is like during the hardest times, you know. Like this is like as people are starting to default in their loans, and you know bankers are coming for people. And payroll protection program applications are going in, right? Like we did that for our business on on Friday, like the second that it came out. And this, you have this person in our industry who's not only like expanding their offerings that they're doing uh, with uh, their customers with Talk to Go and being able to offer this platform for restaurants to pivot and go to go, but then you also have him just like completely transparently sharing the numbers in a way that. You know, someone who's new to the industry and is kind of like hesitant on, uh, well, do I want to get into this as a business or do I just want to be uh, kind of a chef de cuisine at another person's restaurant? I think that mm -hmm. just like doing like definitely follow Nick Kakonis during this time because he's just like he's providing a lot of free value. Um, I don't know. Have you gotten any value from following along his stuff right now? Yeah, I mean, I saw the chart and I also like um, in that thread, there was like 
a tweet where it was like, if you're an industry professional, or if you're a chef, or I forget how he exactly worried it, but basically he was just like, if you don't think it can be done, uh, let me see your business plan. And so he's like, not, not, I don't think it was in a challenging way, but more so in a way of like, let me actually help you and show you how it's done. Well, uh, and in that vein, it also like prevents the kind of woe is me mentality with a lot of people. And maybe we can we can pivot to to discussing that a little bit, because I think as I was trying to ruminate and think about what I the just my overall philosophy during this time, it's easy to go in the mindset of like, oh, well, you should have diversified your business. You should have had a to go option for a long time. But I think that there's a lot of people who and the the equation that I tried to draw is that like um I'm thinking of of a restaurant that is intensely in sp- experience focused. They want you to be in person and they feel like the full value they can provide and the reason they charge what they charge is because they have you in person in a seat and they're so excited to just treat you to this experience. I think mm-hmm. of that like um like the musical Hamilton Hamilton doesn't have an option where you can have the like the singers come to your house and perform, right? Like that would be a silly kind of pivot from a business perspective. But they publish the songs on Spotify and you can listen to their album on Spotify and it's not even going to be close to seeing it in person, but you can still engage with that kind of production at home from the comfort of your own couch. It's just not going to look like the full stage production. So I think that people think that they have to completely uh, create this experience at home that mirrors the experience at the restaurant during this time. And I don't think that's the case, right? We see uh, Alinea doing like Beef Wellington presentations uh, as opposed to the 21 course tasting menu that they're doing or whatever. And I just gave you a bunch of dishes from Canlis that are like, they're calling it family meal. They're not calling it Canlis at home, quote unquote, per se. Um, but I, I just think that there's people who should absolutely diversify the ways that they make money. Um, and this is like a harsh wake up call for those people during this time. But I don't want to be prescriptive with that advice because I don't think that that applies to every single person. I think that the people who really take pride in people coming out and experiencing what they do, maybe there's a content play, maybe there's a cookbook play, maybe there's like other opportunities for them. But, um, you know, the other part of my brain also says, um, yeah, don't, don't push people to pour all of these resources into creating something at home that doesn't exactly represent what you do in the way that you would want it to, if that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, know, have you seen any like creative uh, things that have caught your eye? I know you've been tweeting a lot um, of things that you're excited to see chefs doing during this time. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily nail it down to one person, but I've just seen a lot of, um, whether it be friends or just people I've been like, I, so I went on like the different hashtags today and it was going about, and I saw a lot of basically like, people starting to ferment more and get their own sourdough sourdough cultures going. And I just like that for me was like something that was really cool because um, I feel like a lot of, you know, I, that obviously is a big trend in restaurants, but I feel like a lot of cooks or people in the industry haven't really gone into depth in terms of making their own bread or, you know, pickling and fermenting. And I know there's a large amount of cooks who have, but I just, I'm seeing a lot of like people saying this is my first time making a pickle before at home and I'm really like enjoying it and it's a lot easier than I thought. So the biggest thing for me has been chefs or experienced cooks sharing 
their knowledge with people who maybe don't cook as much at home and is, you know, the people that are putting out really like educational videos. Like I, that's like been my favorite thing about this so far. Yeah, that's the best. And I think that um, the other resource that I want to dive into now that you've kind of pivoted us into that direction is a, a link that I can share with you. Um, and you can either put it in the description of this podcast or both of us can tweet it out or whatever. But uh, I put this up on my Twitter when I read it, and it's from Ryan Holiday's website. And he wrote a blog post called, Will You Choose Alive Time or Dead Time? And the basic theory of this blog post is the idea of, I'm going to try to find a um, excerpt that I can read um, here. He just like, he's posting all the books that he's read uh, during this time, how when he finally took some time to himself, he was able to get his ego of the is the enemy book out. Um, let's see. He says, life is constantly asking us, is this going to be a live time or dead time? A long commute. Are we going to zone out or listen to an audiobook? A delayed flight. Are we going to get in a couple of miles by walking around the terminal or shove a Cinnabon into our face? A tour of duty or a contract we have to earn it out? Is this tying us down or freeing us up? That's our call. And then he tells the story of Malcolm Little being in 10 years of prison serving a sentence where he, instead of wasting his time away behind bars, he copied the dictionary word for word and read books furiously to the point where he wore out his eyes and he had to wear glasses. And that's just kind of like those inspiring stories are what I, I, I want people to, you know, whether it's chefs who would constantly uh, bemoan the fact that they didn't have enough time to spend with their family. Like, I hope that those chefs are getting that time right now. Or mm-hmm. people who constantly said, oh, I never have enough time to be creative. Like, I hope you're writing a menu every single day or at least getting a dish idea out of your head every single day. Or the people who said, well, well, you know, like sharpening knives isn't really for me. And I, you know, always take my knives in to get it, get them sharpened by someone else. Like I'm trying to like furiously pump out resources to make it uh, enjoyable or easy to learn these, these types of skills. And I think that people fall nine times out of 10 into one of these two camps where you look at this as dead time. Like this sucks. Uh, I have to collect unemployment. Um, I'm and 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 I'm not dismissing the struggles that people are going through right now but I think that the mindset that you take to either choose this as like you said I've never tried pickling before or I don't know how to work with sourdough starter and what can I do with sourdough starter besides making a loaf of bread like uh there's tons of cool recipes from um like sourdough crackers to people make pancakes out of them to like really delicious like dark chocolate brown butter cookies made from sourdough starter that just have this incredibly different flavor. Uh, Like, I think that a lot of people should be thinking through how they can use this as a live time rather than dead time. I don't know. Have you seen like, does that does that resonate with you in any capacity? Or or do you have anything to say on on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a huge Ryan Holiday fan. Uh, Ego is the enemy is like a book that I'll say changed my life. But um, no, I saw that. And I totally agree with you. I mean, this time has been, you know, this ability to have time for the next month, at least for me, has been great. I mean, something not food related that I'm really interested in is learning guitar. And I've been wow. you know, struggling to learn guitar for the last seven months. And I'm dedicating an hour each day to learning it. And like today, just sitting down for an hour and playing, like I was able to get things I wasn't able to get before. I was able to, you know, hit some chords that I wasn't really able to do. And that was due to being fresh and being like awake and just 
being able to kind of, you know, have all of my energy put into one task. And I think that's like a big thing is not being spent and trying to do something new. I think having that energy to focus on new things is going to be really beneficial. And so on that same point, I have a friend of mine who's been constantly messaging me and he's posting on Instagram a lot. He was supposed to start a job a week before uh, or a week after in, in that same time frame where basically the entire state of Washington got locked down and that the restaurant is, is not open as a lot of other uh, places are uh, right now. And he has been messaging me saying that he's been cooking four to six hours a day and he's a wine director. And he just like, he completely is trying to use this time to, he's making food, like I said, four to six hours a day. And he left Seattle, he's back home uh, with his parents, and he's saving money on rent. He's learning things, like slamming through cookbooks every single day. And he's taking those meals and dropping them off uh, to people around his parents' house who, you know, are either, you know, just, just as cooped up. Or like what I'm trying to say is he's trying to be productive with this time and really indulge himself in this activity that he loves. He just never had the time for it, or at least to explore some of these dishes more in depth uh, when he was, you know, working 60 hours a week at a restaurant. And so I, I, I just, if, if anybody is, and the beauty of all of this is the natural inkling for people who want to continue to improve, I know that I was this type of person early on in my career, is to like, well, it has to be food related. It has to be in relation to cooking. It has to be in relation into like food writing, or I have to like expand my network. I have to go, 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 because you're so used to pouring your heart into this restaurant job for so many hours of your week. But I think that if you could, and using your example of like getting into another hobby, like playing guitar, prevent yourself from falling into this funk that would effectively really give you a negative mindset when you do go back to work, that is arguably just as valuable. And that's me making the case for, you know, maybe give yourself permission to pick up a drum set off of OfferUp or Craigslist and just learn something new or take up coding or play a video game or, you know, like Anna and I are so excited to uh, plant, like, plant seeds for our garden this weekend. Like there's so many things that we're doing to like continue to use that alive time that I think people would get a lot of value from if they would change their mindset during this time of, yes, you cannot do the thing that you dedicated your life towards during this chapter of your life. And that sucks. But there's so many other opportunities for, for you available out there. I, there's another thing that I can maybe send you. It's an uh, author that I follow. His name is Ramit Sethi. And he, um, has a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And it's a horrible title, but it's basically like the basics of personal finance. And he's been going on Instagram Live every single day, sharing just practical knowledge about working remotely, managing your personal finances during this time, uh, how to potentially negotiate a higher salary, uh, position yourself well in the job market. He puts out a lot of valuable content. But the thing that I that stuck with me that I want to share here is he spoke he got a question about how has your daily routine changed during this time and he has a like seven figure a year company he has a ton of employees he manages a lot and he was super transparent in saying you know my my routine has fallen kind of off the rails like i wake up an hour later 
Uh, my wife and I are going to bed a little bit, uh, a little bit later as well. Um, I have only been going to the gym like three days a week when I've normally been going like five or six. Uh, I'm not really eating as well as I should. Uh, but you know, I'm kind of taking this time to just kind of like acknowledge that the world is not in a normal state. So it's, I'm giving myself permission to also not operate normally during this time. And I think it was really powerful for people to, you know, because it's really easy for, to, to start to feel guilty of like, oh, well, I'm not operating at the full cylinders that I usually am during this time. And I don't know why that is. And then you start having all this negative self-talk that gets you in a really bad place. And then you start watching the news and then you go on Twitter and it's all negative, 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 and you're negative with yourself. And so that can be just such a dark cloud over yourself all day. So hearing him, you know, admit to that was just like a big exhalation. And, you know, like, Yes, maybe you can't go to the gym five days a week, or maybe you're not waking up as early as you wanted, or maybe you're ordering pizza a little more than you wanted to. But like, how can you substitute that with other things that are still positive for yourself? So for for me, that looks like instead of going to the gym because my gym is closed, I'm taking hour-long walks every day. And I had a bunch of um, Audible credits in my account, so I downloaded like 12 audiobooks. And I'm making it a point to every single day call one uh, uh, of both of my parents. So if I call my dad, I called my dad today, I will be calling my mom tomorrow. And all of this happens. uh, It's usually like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes talking with my parents. And then it's like 30 minutes of listening to an audiobook. Mm -hmm. And that's like, and I'm getting my vitamin D and I'm moving my legs. And like Seattle has quite a bit of hills. So I'm like walking up these hills. So my heart gets pumping a little bit. And those are all changes to your routine that, yes, you could say, well, it's not quite like I'm not quite improving my numbers on my deadlift like I thought, or like my squat is probably going to be really shitty when I go back into the gym, but I'm not laying in bed and eating my you know second bowl of cereal kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So that's yeah. kind of like what I want people to focus on is, is giving themselves a the permission of, yes, your routine is probably going to get an adjustment during this time. And that's okay because these are weird fucking times. So I guess like those are the, those are kind of the, the few things that are, that are top of mind for me right now. Yeah. Um, I think things that I'm focusing on. So obviously, like I said, guitar, big thing. Um, I love instruments. I played them my whole life, but I tend to, when I tend to get busy with something else, kind of forget about them. So really trying to dedicate myself to the guitar uh, during this time. Uh, Reading obviously is a big Big one. I'm reading um, MFK Fisher right now. Love uh, it. I've never read any of her work. And so I just picked up one of her books today and I started reading that. Um, writing, uh, as you know, I am working on a book or a journal. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I'm about to hit page 100 on a Word document. Hell so yeah. That's great. That's, yeah. So more time with that. And um, I'm going to be doing pickling, uh, sourdough starter, stuff like that. Uh, but the biggest thing I think is really focusing on the social media stuff. Um, if like today, like just this new time to think and kind of, kind of like reach more of how I can be a community. So I'll give you an example today. I was looking at like all my numbers, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And obviously Instagram with line click thoughts is the biggest platform I'm on uh, with, uh, you know, almost 8,500 followers, um, constant, uh, just people like, you know, reaching out and stuff. And Facebook is probably the, sec- is, is the second biggest with a thousand members or a thousand people who like it or follow it and then twitter obviously being the smallest so as you saw today a lot of twitter activity but on facebook i felt you know facebook you know being such a um, 
such a place where so many so much is shared and there's so much more like long form written content like why why are we not like bigger on uh facebook and so today i started a group which obviously anyone can join um it's called which i called the line cook nation which as you know is what i call the listeners of the podcast and it just made like it made so much sense when i thought about it like because on my content page it said why don't you start a group and i was like why don't i start a group that's called line cook nation it's something that i've had since day one you know this idea of cooks coming together and you know i just couldn't believe that i never made a facebook group called the line cook nation and so that is now something that has been created on facebook but it took all this like extra time to just think and kind of reflect and take a step back to think of something that could potentially be really big so that is an example of you know what a fresh what fresh time can give you in terms of your perspective yeah it's a it's the classic shower idea right like you finally take a step away from what you're doing and give your mind space to breathe i think there's going to be a lot of that for a lot of people during this time and it's not all going to be good ray right like there's a lot there's going to be a lot of people who finally get off the treadmill or the hamster wheel of working 70 hours a week and they're going to take this time and say wow like there's so much more that I could be doing or it's going to be the opposite you know like I'm um you know talking to people who uh, are messaging me and they're saying hey man like my job from my 9 to 5 is like really completely draining me and now that I have time at home to cook for my family every single day I'm realizing that this might be something that I want to get get into like for real. And so I think things are going to go like people are going to shift both ways. There's going to be a big influx of people into the food industry. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, this is not for me anymore and I don't want to do this. And we're going to see how that plays out. But yeah, I'm happy to hear that you're continuing to make progress in all these areas because uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's what, uh, you know, keeps us, keeps us focused on, interacting with each other is that we're both progress focused. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you kind of touched on something that I think I would like to get into next is, you know, what have you heard amongst cooks in terms of wanting to stay in the industry or, you know, switching roles? I'll mm. share with myself that I've been, I've heard mixed. I've heard a lot of cooks, you know, obviously saying they're sad to be out of work and they're going to miss it a ton. Um, but I've also heard a lot of people saying they want to get different degrees that they kind of want to get out of the industry or, that a normal kitchen job just and really just really isn't appealing to them anymore, and I'm not sure if that's going to change over time due to the mm-hmm. reactions we're seeing now. But I do see a lot of cooks kind of wanting to exit or kind of wanting to get a salaried position, or at least just want, not wanting to be where they were before this happened because of where they are now in terms of financial status and you know kind of really struggling. What are your what have you heard in terms of the kind of idea of being a cook right now? Sure, I think that. In the same way that, you know, so Anna has a a grandmother who is like a depression baby. And she always talks about the fact that her grandma is the kind of lady who, you know, she'll take the ketchup packets from the restaurant and she'll steal the toiletries from the hotel kind of kind of a person. And that's because she went through this time of scarcity, right, where these moments in your life where culture changes and there's these like it leaves scars on people because they're like I never want to feel what I felt during that time or even if like you know you weren't the person directly getting affected by this major world event or this you know quote unquote trauma during your career just seeing it it can sometimes be enough to get people to change their behavior for their the rest of their lives and so I think 
if I had to give a prediction or kind of like a state of things, I think we're going to see a lot of chefs take a look at this time and rethink what I've shared on past podcasts with you of like the idea of being a single standalone chef with one restaurant that gets hella accolades and and really becomes world famous. I think that people are going to start to think of like, how can I diversify my business to a point where I can feel safe during this time? So the idea of just having a dinner menu five days a week, I think is going to completely flip on its head. And I think it's good for the overall sense of things. I think the idea of the chef being the one creative genius in an operation is also going to go away because I'm I'm looking at like this this talk page for Canlis where they're really they're putting the their head bar manager as the creative force for that project and they're 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 pitching him as the face of this thing. And so mm-hmm. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that come to the forefront whether it's restaurants that have podcasts um you know there's um uh, Chefs Without Restaurants is also like a platform I've been seeing growing slowly uh, on Twitter, which is great to see. Um, yeah. And I think that that community is going to gonna expand a lot. And I think I haven't gotten direct messages that have been like, you know, Justin, I'm thinking of leaving the industry because, and, and this is in reflection to the speed at which this happened, right? This wasn't like... Um, this wasn't a slow build where it's like you slowly started to see the numbers go down at a restaurant month by month and it's been happening for nine months and all of a sudden you get that call to go in the private dining room and chef says you don't have a job anymore. This was like immediate like, hey, guys, we can't we can't we, we can either do to go or we got to shut it down. And so I think the speed at which this happened is going to put people in camps where they are either second guessing their decision or they're like, nope, this is just time to do something else and then I'm going to go back to work and it's going to be business as usual. So I think it's too soon to, and you know, like with payroll protection and the stimulus checks from the government coming through, like a lot of people might actually continue be able to be able to meet their needs for the next couple of months. And so this might just be a, you know, much deserved break for a lot of people. But I definitely see this as time where people will start to implement processes in like you're a catering company and you need to put something in your contracts now that prevents you from losing revenue during this time, right? Whether it's how you structure, how you get your deposits or how you offer like reimbursable credits to clients going forward. Um, You know, maybe we might see a lot of people uh, flip to doing things like talk where you can't you have to pay for the reservation outright when you make it. You can't um, book a table a month out without paying any money because people will say, oh, well, I don't want 2020 to happen again. And so I want to put systems in my business plan to prevent us. Or like just just the the sheer amount of people who have not been putting cash in the bank to give themselves a runway if something like this happens is just reflective of like, we've had a good economy over the past decade or so. And if you think that money is going to continue to run through, run through the door, you have no reason to prepare for something like this. And I th- so I think productively, 
we will see a generation come out of this that are much more financially savvy, much more business plan focused, have those contingency plans in place. Uh, They're much more transparent with their employees about the kind of state of things. And I think it's all going to be good, but it kind of takes, like I said, something like the dot-com bubble or the Great Depression or the financial crisis of 2008 to have all of these things really stick in people's heads because there's a lot of moments in time that just affect one person. And, you know, if somebody had a, a barbecue truck that went under in 2016, that person could tell that story in a post on Facebook, but it's not going to resonate with people until they really feel it. Like until you really feel, and like my business partner and I are currently having long calls about this. We had a lot of calls about this this week of like, this is when we get tested. You know, like this is when we get pushed to the brink as business owners and business partners of like, how do we navigate these choppy waters and how do we ultimately come out the other side better for it? Um, so I, I, I think to answer your question, I'd, I, I haven't gotten some direct feedback of people wanting to completely change their lives because they haven't just, they just haven't had enough time to think about it. Yeah. But yeah, I think as we see this play out, if this goes into September or November, we'll see people start to make different life choices. What about you? Um, I don't think necessarily that we're going to, I don't think, I mean, I do think there are going to be people that leave the industry. I also think there are going to be people who end up cooking for themselves and kind of finding mm-hmm. that. So I, I don't know. I think that might all even itself out. What I see in the industry or my best guess is that, or what I worry about, or maybe not worry about, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of the fast casual restaurants take over. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really worried about losing like single standalone restaurants, like the chef driven restaurants. Totally. Um, but I do think that you're going to see like, like a David Chang, like you're going to see people like him go more fast casual. I could be totally wrong, but I just think that, mm. you know, the idea of a, we're going to see a lot. I feel like through this, we're going to see a lot of more diners who are more educated about food because they've had to cook for themselves. So you're going to see more technique or you're going to see more intensive food prepared in a fast casual casual setting because they're still going to want that like speed and quickness so i think we're going to see a lot of a lot more diners that have a lot more education on food but i think we're going to see a lot more groups or a lot more uh restaurateurs uh look towards that space of not quite fine dining not quite um fast food but in the middle where they can put out you know fresh good quality food and still do it in a really nice price point and do it in like a good amount of speed, but also it shows the diner that they know what they're doing. They're educated and they put a lot of work into the food that they're giving them. That's a good point. I didn't, uh, I haven't really considered that before the, the fact that so many people are doing delivery and takeaway food that we might actually see the growth. So, uh, the growth of the sophistication of that kind of an offering. Uh, yeah. you know, like true dishes that actually show up at your door plated, uh, instead of just kind of like slopped into a to-go container. I think that's super, super interesting. One pitch that I have that I am kind of wanting to drive forward if we can find a way to do it legally and sustainably is to kind of take Blue Apron to the next, you know, the next level. And I was thinking through this when I saw uh, Shake Shack offer 
you can buy basically a kit where you can make eight Shake Shack burgers or I think it's four Shake Shack burgers at your house. So the idea being like, you know, Blue Apron would reasonably give you like uh, one shallot and two zucchinis if that's all the recipe called for so that you could easily just make that single recipe. I think that there we might see something and I'm trying to push for this. That's like a step beyond Blue Apron where you get the you get the steak or the pork chop or the chicken leg or the you know quarter of a chicken or whatever but then you also get like sauces and you know like grain blends or you know some like different finished components from the chefs delivered in this curated way where it's like uh yes the person still has to prepare the steak but almost everything else from like dressing the endives, like the salad dressing for the endive salad or the vinaigrette for the roasted carrots or whatever is made already. So you don't have this investment from a time perspective as a customer from a full blue apron meal where it's going to take you two hours to make it. Maybe it only takes you 35 minutes to make this recipe, but you almost get this kind of pseudo restaurant experience like a chef curated and made this for me at home. I don't know. I, I, I have you seen something like that already? Like I know that we're 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 not strangers to seeing uh, people's faces on sauces in the grocery store aisle, but I think someone to really offer a curated at home experience hasn't been done before yet. No, I mean I think you're right, and I think I, I mean I think it's a good idea. Um, obviously, there's going to be like you said a lot of involved in terms of packaging and. Exactly how it gets uh, put to the customer, but I do. I I think that is a large possibility. What are your um, what are your thoughts on fine dining? Do you see yeah Michelin restaurant? Sure. Value? Do you see prices mm. down? Like, what what are your thoughts on that sector? Yeah, I think that there's going to be. There's this great tweet that came out that was every company that told their employees that remote work for their job wasn't possible is now being like insanely proven wrong because everybody has to work from home now. And, you know, there's a big push uh, probably from people a couple months ago. They were like, I really want to take one day a week and work from home. And their boss probably told them, no, uh, it's not possible to do work from home. Now it's being disproven. And I think that we might see something similar with uh, fine dining places that that think that the only way for them to truly express themselves and continue to maintain their brand is through this tasting menu or this like, uh, you know, $60 main courses that use incredible high quality product. I think that in the same four walls, you could, as a fine dining place, serve, you know, Berkshire pork belly on the tasting menu but because you increase your capacity in the way of doing delivery meals or having your purveyors come in and do CSA style things, or you have a cooking show during the day during prep that you shoot and that goes out to thousands of people, we will see fine dining either diversify their offerings where you know you're serving this Berkshire pork belly on the tasting menu, but you order in a full side of a pig and you use those other cuts in other cool ways that then get made into takeout meals, mm. which allows you to be more profitable. So then you can actually make a little bit of a margin 
on that tasting menu or like as a business as a whole, or we will see them go the kind of uh, Favikin, uh, Lumi Island style route where the place is only open as a fine dining place for a very limited amount of time of the year. And there's a, a very significant crunch on the time window where you can go to experience these places because they're going to need to spend like that diversity is going to come in one of two ways. It's going to be day to day. So, you know, as a restaurant, you want to be open for those 348 days a year, mm-hmm. or you're going to say, well, we only want to be open for four to five months out of the year. And then the other, you know, six or seven months out of the year, we're going to do something else. Um, I know that um, an example that I can give of that is uh, like Flynn McGarry at Gem. Like he does a lot of private events and a lot of social media ads and sponsorship campaigns. And that makes it so that Gem can effectively survive as a restaurant because if he wasn't doing the private catering things, I don't know that he would survive as a, as a, Per, as a tasting menu style concept in New York City, charging the prices that he's charging for the products that he's using, and you know the the, the probably astronomical rent that he has to pay every month. Yeah. So I think we're going to see diversification happen in one of two ways: either on the day today, you're going to implement different strategies and different programs into the business to make sure that you can stay profitable, or it's going to be from a time basis. That's kind of my, if I had to kind of project things out, but we'll see. I, I, I'm really looking forward, Ray, to these creative solutions that we see going forward because I'm, I'm such a fan of the industry and I love going to restaurants and I love like just talking to people about these things. Uh, I'm genuinely excited to see where it goes because I, I don't have the answers, but I think where it goes, I'm going to continue to be involved with it and support it. and. I'm just stoked to see it happen. Yeah, me too. Um, in terms of for like for my thoughts on fine dining, I think I take the similar route as you. I think that a lot more places are going to have more of a social media presence. I think you have to at this point. I mean, I think you're seeing right now um, everyone revert to social media, and you know the chefs that have been able to make a name for themselves on Twitter, such as Nick Akonis or anywhere else on Instagram, are really getting that um i don't know the concept gary v kind of talks about about you know giving out contact for free but then those people having like a personal almost like affiliation with you or a want to support you when they do have the money or they do have the chance and so i think you're seeing a lot of these uh chefs who are doing really well right now on social media they're going to be very successful after this because they were able to kind of get people through a hard time but that's how at least the people that feel inspired by them or feel inspired by them are going to feel and so i think that a lot of fine dining places, a lot of Michelin restaurants are going to either do it during this or learn very quickly that they're going to have to have that extra step or that extra presence where they do go home with the customer and they do, um, you know, there is more knowledge shared. And I think a lot of places already do a good job of it. I don't think, I'm not saying that there isn't that already, but I think the ones that don't really have a lot of focus on the media are going to need to start to focus because with people being home more, because like when this is done or like when this is over with, I was talking to this with one of my mentors. Um, you know, who's this like, just because everything opens back up, doesn't mean everyone's going to go back out. So it really depends on what levels of testing there are, if there's a vaccine. And I think there's going to be a large 
part of the population who doesn't go out as much the first year. This is like, you know, totally going. Yeah. Everybody has to be prepared for that. (laughs) And I think that it's, you know, it's interesting to see people who kind of poo pooed social media in the past, you know, couple of dozens of months, all of a sudden jump on it because they see that this is the only reasonable way and the, the, the lowest cost way, arguably, to engage with your customers or com- your community or your clients or however you want to call it. And I think that the, I, I, I do agree with that point you made where the people who were willing to plant the seeds earlier are now reaping the benefits of that now where they have an engaged audience that they can continue to drive some revenue through or you know at least let give them an update on how you're doing and and how to best support you during this time um because i think we all saw it probably about 2 weeks ago that huge influx of people saying oh well support uh so and so shop local all these uh great things there's gofundmes there's kickstarters and then there's like you the 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 consumer gets overwhelmed they're like everybody needs money from me right now so who do i give to and it's going to ultimately be if you have a choice if you have that luxury as a consumer you're going to give to the person that you feel most connected to and yeah. so one thing on that that i wanted to touch on and this is only because i was i'm reading the book deep work by cal newport right now and he is someone who in his book in the chapter that i was listening to this morning was talking through the immense time suck and distraction that is social media for people who are creatives who need to get deep work done, who need to really focus and get in a state of flow with their work, and who just see being on Twitter and tweeting or posting food or recipes on Instagram or messaging people on Facebook as this distraction. And while I can understand his perspective. I don't want anybody who's listening to think that they themselves have to be the people on social media. And when I say that, I mean like, if you have a brand, you can reasonably hire someone in this day and age in 2020 who is savvy enough at social media to at least run your presence. And that is just kind of a message to people who are like, "Uh, well, I don't really like the social media thing that's fine. You don't have to like it. But I think in the same way that like, you probably don't like the insurance on your property. Like You probably don't really like filling out insurance paperwork and putting in the you know legal things that need to get done to protect your property. I think people are going to look at this engagement of their customers on social media, almost like a pseudo insurance policy. To make sure that if something happens and I can't engage with these people in person day to day, it's going to be my fallback plan. And people are going to be willing to put in the resources required to build that up. And so that's kind of, I don't know, that that, that was my my soapbox moment to you know get up and see someone who's sitting on the sidelines and doesn't want to do social media. It doesn't have to be you doing the posting and the messaging and the engaging. You can have a say, you can have like a creative input, but I think that like the, it's free, dude. Like it's, it's, it's free to do. No, there's no membership cost. There's no, like, you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars a week on ads. It's free. 
and it's in moments like this where the people who put in the work to build something are now seeing reaping the rewards of it. So that's my that's my soapbox moment again, as I do on the Line Cook Thought, Thoughts podcast for <laughs> social media. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'll just share this. Um, last week, I really, really wasn't active on Line Cook Thoughts. I, uh, you know, just due to everything going on, it kind of hit. You know, I was I was hit by it for like three to four days where I really wasn't on any type of social media. I kind of didn't do anything, and like four days of an absence, and I you know, when I started posting again and like seeing people like, you know, or like just start interacting, people were like, you know, we're glad to have you back on. We're glad to see you like working again. And it literally was just a four day absence, but so much happens and there's so much news that I think that goes through everyone's feed that, you know, four days ago seems like forever ago. And I think I realized that like, if you're not constantly like in some way in front of them or like, you know, trying to, or like just put like for me, like I always want to put out content to inspire cooks to, be in the kitchen and if i'm away from that even for like less than a week like you start to like to they a they start to notice and b you start to kind of um just lose that like momentum you had and so i think it's very important too for any restaurant oh, i just dropped the chair sorry for any restaurant who wants to um get their uh like get guests involved like they have to like it has to be a constant thing it can't just be like mm-hmm. a page you have to like be involved and you have to get people engaged with what you're doing and, you know, this is me being devil's advocate for people that, you know, maybe have a ton of followers and they're, you know, just feeling so burnt out from like trying to juggle doing their business during this time and be positive on social media. There's this great quote that Tim Ferriss talks about where he says, nobody, and this is before he started vlogging, but it, he had this quote where he was like, nobody wonders when Will Smith doesn't put out a movie for three years. Nobody sits at a bar and says, what's going on with Will Smith? You know, like people just don't care (laughs) at a certain point. Like it's so easy to feel all this pressure that like, Oh, people are. And I had a bout of this back in January. I put out a video about it where I was like, I was feeling guilty because I had stopped uploading weekly uh, to my YouTube channel. And I just had to remind myself of that, of like, as much as you think people care about you, people care about themselves you know, and that's totally fine. Like that is that there, there is some comfort in that, in knowing that people care about themselves, their family, their loved ones, the people in their close circle and the, you know, million problems that everybody is dealing with on a day to day basis. And to think that they're going to spend even a fraction of their day uh, contemplating why line cook thoughts or Justin Connor or the emulsion podcast hasn't posted in a while is like, People might spend their time on that, but like, it's not something that you need to, because it, to me, it ultimately leads to negative self-talk, which stops you from producing. Mm-hmm. I think in those times, the most, the best thing you can do is just put something out. And I don't know, it, it, it I, I agree with you because I've been in that boat. It is a little demoralizing when you get in that, in that funk, but, um, yeah, I, I think, think for me is like business wise. Like I think like yeah. a personal brand or something that where it's just like you. Um mm. I think it's like like you know, there was that but at the same time, like you said, like I you know, I also think like it's kind of forgotten, you know, because I didn't post it, it wasn't you know, I did like you know what I mean, like it's just like sure. what's playing in their mind. But I think if like a restaurant is really trying to expand right now, I do think that they do need to have that hundred percent. And that's, that's again, why I pitch 
you know, if you're a general manager of a restaurant or you're a chef de cuisine and you want to pitch this idea to your boss, I don't think the idea of having someone who's on the front lines and already has a 50 hour a week full-time job is the person to take up the social media uh, brand of the branch of the business, right? I think that it has to be someone that's not the person in charge because that protects everything. That protects it from, oh, chef wants to take two weeks off. Oh my goodness, we're not going to post on social for two months (laughs) or two weeks. You know what I mean? So by having someone else be in charge of that, you also like, and this is in conjunction with a video that I uh, put out recently on the channel, and it's about organizing ideas. It forces that person to teach the philosophy of the restaurant or basically the story you want to tell on social. It forces that person to teach that to somebody else. And that allows it to operate without that person. And then like, then you won't have these lulls of two months where, oh my goodness, we haven't posted on Facebook in a while, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think that's a big thing that intimidates some people. Like, And so I think that's like where I, during this time, during last week, because like you said, I had to kind of draw a line and be like, I am just one person running this. Um, mm-hmm. It's just yep. me. So like, even if like, you know, people are like, you know, like, oh, that's weird that he hasn't posted in a day. Like, it's not going to be like an issue because I'll be able to just bounce back. And so like, the double-edged sword of the thing, I guess that I would say, if you are someone who is worried about that, but you do want to create content, like it's totally fine to like, like there's a lot of successful blogs or pages or just Twitter accounts where I see they put out something once a week or twice a week, but because it's so powerful and so meaningful that they do have a, like a mass following. So I wouldn't say, I would say don't let it stop you if you're like, want to get into it. But in terms of like groups or, or just like restaurateurs in general, the people, I think the most success is going to be from the people who are putting out the most content right now in terms of businesses. Agreed. 100% agreed. Um, but yeah, I mean, is there a, you know, going back to kind of our notes and kind of thinking, I mean, I've kind of said the things that I think that I, that we're going to see. Is there anything you're worried about? Or is there, is there anything that you think um, will take away that the industry will kind of lose during this? Or do you think, mm-hmm. going to, I mean, because I know we're going to see growth, but. I'm, I, for example, I'm worried about standalone restaurants. I am worried about, mm-hmm. like, uh, I am worried about honestly, like diversity of cuisine we see in the next few years in terms of mainstream dining, because, um, as you've seen from this country, you know, there's been a lot of people who, um, have associated this with a certain race or, um, totally group of people. And I do worry that we've, I, you know, I think we've made so much progress over the last decade in terms of diversifying what we eat as Americans. And I would hate to see um, the opinion of a few kind of skew that for a lot of diners in America. Sure. I think in moments like this, you see... So here's the statistic I want to see. The number of people who previously really enjoyed food from, you know, pick a country, pick a culture, who because of this have flipped to now being racist or misogynistic or you know like whatever toward or discriminatory towards that culture and where i'm trying to go with that is i think that during times like this we often see the people who were quiet and on the sidelines but had those opinions anyways come out of the woodwork and all of a sudden thrust themselves in the spotlight and say this is so and so's fault or 
this is the way that it is because of blank. And I think that that's the statistic that I want to see is how many people have truly changed their opinion on this thing, or does it seem that much more prevalent because they finally have a scapegoat and they have something to point at and have something to him and haw about. Right. So, I mean, like I know, I, I mean, and this is probably, and I'm hoping, you know, so many people in your audience who just like, I like cannot wait to go back to one of my favorite izakaya places in Seattle. And I cannot wait to go to uh, my favorite, like I'm craving all of these foods that are Chinese and Japanese and Malaysian and, you know, like across the spectrum of, of, of places. And I think that if anything, like I appreciate these places even more yeah, because of, because of all of this stuff. And so I think that, until we see, and that's why I want to see that number because I don't want to comment that you know X Y Z people are now afraid to 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 be um, patrons of these places because of the recent world events. Yeah, I just think that during these times of crises, like the the the, the real bad actors expose themselves. Because they finally have something that instead of like being on the dark web and being on these forums where they talk about their hate of certain people, now there's finally something in the limelight where they can go viral on Twitter for posting something stupid that is just like hateful towards towards people. And I, I the the one sentiment that I do want to agree with you on is the you know, the standalone restaurant that doesn't necessarily have the resources to do anything that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. but just wants to be a single small business that's been in the family for decades or generations and they're the ones that are really in a tough spot um but yeah in the same way that like ne- neither you nor I have the answers to help them or you know like i think that this is a common thing where it's like well you're going to help you have the resources to help but who do you help you know yeah. i think that the the important thing to think about is like these these first principles of like sound financial uh grounding in running your business uh making sure that you are able to decrease your overhead during times like this um you know treating your employees well so that they'll stick around and that you don't have to go through a big uh hiring and training spree when you come back from this um like all of these, all of these things weigh in and, and, and it truly sucks. But I think in touching on that, I don't want people to see the negative in this because I, I, I do think that there's a lot of people who just really miss going to their favorite restaurants. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that, that's my optimistic perspective. Um, I'm sure people think differently, but that's kind of where I, where I stand. Yeah, I, I agree. And I would hope that's how it kind of turns out. Um, the kind of the last bit of thing, or the last piece I wanted to get into is something you've been um, telling cooks for a while, ever since I found your content and we've had you on the show twice. And you know, this idea of at least like taking, like you, like you say, document everything, record everything. How has? I mean, we touched upon it a little bit, obviously, in terms of growing on your interest during this time. But before this, how has you know making a social media? profile or at least something tangible that you can work on every single day how has that kind of helped you 
stay motivated or stay so optimistic during this time? Like, do you, like, do you see in any way because you have something else to fall back on that you're able to just kind of like, you know, it's business as usual for you as a person, obviously things in the world are different, but you're still able to put that creative energy and motivation into something else. Yeah. I think all those moments when I would stare at my laptop and I would have, you know, a million tabs open and two of those being like the two sides of my life, which is like running this small startup that is Voyager's table and then running this, you know, small personal brand that is, you know, my YouTube channel and my podcast and Instagram and all these things. And I would just feel so overwhelmed thinking that I was like living a double life and like, uh, so frustrated that there was so much work to do. Um, and you know, a lot of the content that I put out is, is free. Like I don't make money from doing the content that I put out. And I, it's, I take a lot of pride in that because I, I, I like that it is that way, but also like, it's a slog when you don't have the huge financial reward on the other side, when, you know, you produce a documentary for Netflix and then they buy it. And then all of a sudden you get to cash out. Like I'm slowly grinding and building this thing. And it's during times like this when I can really remind myself, like, you're doing this because you want to have a secure base. Like, the income I make from my content right now does not pay all of my bills, but it certainly gives me something to work on during this time that, you know, if this lasts for another 12 months and I completely, like, my startup goes under or whatever, at least I have done the legwork where I have a you know, I have 17,000 subscribers on YouTube right now. It's going to be so much easier to take that from 17 to 100K mm-hmm. rather than if I was like, oh, I need to pick up the camera starting tomorrow. I, because that was the hardest time for me uh, with social media was going from zero to 100 subscribers. And I talked about this last time, but like you can scroll back in my Instagram. There's a post where I'm literally begging my Instagram people to subscribe on YouTube because all I wanted was 100 subscribers. Yeah. and you know, like it's, it's, it's justifying in a way of like, you've been doing all this grinding and working and it's finally getting it. Like you finally feel this point of being secure on it, but it's also like, I use it as a nego like in, uh, you know, being able to say that you have different skills gives you the flexibility, you know, because you've learned these other skills during this time if you are only good at, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, you know, like a very specific carpenter job, right? Like you're, and I'm looking at my, my supporting beam in my house right now. If you're only good at laying bricks that weigh two and a half pounds, mm-hmm. you can probably get a job during a normal economy of getting, you know, laying bricks that are that weigh two and a half pounds. But if you teach yourself to do all these other different things, if you need to look for a job in the job market now, and this is in conjunction with me saying that I think a lot of other businesses are going to diversify. If you know how to produce a podcast and do some recipe testing, I think that it's not all that outlandish for us to think about restaurants and larger organizations hiring someone who has that unique combo of skills, right? Whereas like, if you just say, I'm really good at cooking brunch, you know, it's a, it's a little bit trickier for you to stand out during a time like this where, you know, unemployment is super high and everybody's going to be hiring, you know, hopefully in the next couple of, of, of weeks or months. Um, 
So I looked at it as like, oh, well, I'm diversifying my skill set. I'm, you know, making myself more adaptable. I'm teaching me. I'm teaching myself these other things. And like, guys, all of this was on my days off, on my after work hours, free YouTube tutorials. I didn't go to school for this. I invested my time. I didn't invest like that money investment has been in like camera equipment and computer stuff. Right. Um, and so I think that if anything, it's given me not complete job security, but it's like, it's been a positive force in my life just across the board, whether it makes me feel, uh, like I'm a better business owner. Um, I have a community to fall back on. Like, you know, if I were to decide that I need to launch a project, a, pro- a product in the next three months, I talk about this all the time on the podcast of like, you shouldn't get a prod, a product and then try to find the audience. You need to do the opposite. You need to define what your audience is and then make the most kick-ass product that they're like sincerely excited to purchase. And that's kind of the direction that you should take it. And the beauty of that mentality and framework is that building the audience costs zero dollars. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you just need to find where these people are and put out content that brings value to them. And then you have this kind of like uh, unleveraged asset in your back pocket that if and when you want to, uh, like I said, sell a product that brings value to that community or if you want to get them rallied up behind a cause, or if you want to start public speaking, or whatever, you've done all the legwork required to make sure that you have that uh, community to engage with. So I guess if I had to like tie it up with a bow, like it's not like I'm sitting on like, oh yeah, man, like I'm completely passive income right now and I don't have to do anything and all I do is uh, play Xbox now because that's not the case. Um, and I don't want to sugarcoat it to make people think that, you know, or, or get people delusional in thinking that, you know, that will be your life if you invest in this thing. But I think the beauty of it is you don't have to do what I did. And I see a lot of people that like get caught up with wanting to copy other people or thinking that, oh, well, if I just do it like this, or if I put out videos like this, or if I, uh, put out recipes from my, uh, experience, it's going to be guaranteed success. No, that's not the case. You have to, and you know, Ray, you and I have been talking about this for how many minutes now of like, you have to make whatever you decide to do as your, you know, second skill set or your, uh, David Epstein talks about it in the book range where he talks about getting different sets of skills. You have to make this other thing in your life, something that you're willing to go through a, a, a dip in. Right. Like when you talk about not posting for two weeks or I talk about like being frustrated that I stopped uploading weekly, if you don't really love it, you're never going to come back to it. And so like if I tell you that video making and podcasting is the thing that I love and you hate being on camera, I don't know, like it's it's not going to be a good direction for you to take it. So and the best part about this time is that you can truly explore these different activities and skills and see which one do I really like get the self-awareness to know I actually really am good at writing as long as I make it about I don't know like uh travel right travel food uh writing I don't know so that's I don't know that's my two cents on that okay yeah 
I mean, I totally agree with everything you were saying. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, I just think the best thing has been, I think the most rewarding thing about it all was that I, uh, you know, I've been doing line thoughts for a year, over a year now. And, um, you know, finding time to do it has been like really challenging sometimes, but now having this time, I can, like, like I said in the beginning, I can really sit back and reassess, but it's crazy to think of all the hours I put into it and all like the work you, like I put in, I'm sure you feel the same way. And then now to have this time to kind of just like put so much more into it. I mean, I'm really just excited to see over the next month or two months, what I'm able to do with it now having like, so much more attention on it than ever before. Um, so the, the, you know, very relevant visual that I will give for everyone is that like I had one pot on the stove and I just added something else on the back burner. And because the current pot, like the gas went off on my first burner, I just turned it up on the one that was just behind it, you know? And I think there's, there's a lot of people who are feeling the effects of like, they put all of their ingredients into one pot Mm -hmm. and the pot burned, you know, and now they're like, they feel like they're left with nothing. And so being able to, you know, kind of like, it feels like a juggling act. Like anybody know, everybody knows that it's a little bit harder to, you know, cook a piece of fish in, you know, if you need to cook two pans worth of fish, it's a lot harder than just cooking one. But, you know, you give yourself that security blanket of having two, two pans going. And like, like we're just talking about you, you, you're not just frantically multitasking for the sake of like being busy. Yeah. You're setting this other little thing on the back burner. It's slowly reducing. It's going to get there eventually. But like, if you really need to hammer it, you turn one down and you turn the other one up. And I think that that's the beauty of this mentality. So I hope that that helps somebody. It's going to help one person. Ray, that's the be- that's that's the best part of all this. Yeah, that was uh, that was a really good metaphor. Um, mm. that, like, uh, like I really enjoyed hearing you mm. say that out. So um, yeah, I mean definitely. Um, I like to say, don't just be a hard boiled egg. Uh, there's so many ways to cook eggs and there you go. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like every, (laughs) every chef has their saying, but no, I really like your (laughs) idea of that because it's right. You're, you're true. Like, you know, there has, I feel like everyone should have, and it doesn't have to be cooking, but just something else that they can kind of fall on. It doesn't doesn't have to be media related, but just another thing in their life that they're really passionate about besides being in the kitchen. So agreed. Agreed. Um, so we, yeah, we've been going for over an hour. Uh, and I think, you know, we've, I've, we've gone through everything I wanted to chat about. Uh, I just wondering, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to leave off with or anything you're noticing? If there's anything, um, you kind of want to plug that you're kind of working on or that you're putting out right now or sure. anything else, feel free to share it. Yeah. Um, I am hosting live streams. Um, on random days unfortunately i can't promise daily uh anymore uh on my instagram at 11 a.m pacific standard time and they're called learn streams they're not live streams they're learn streams where i'm trying to source people in my network who i just haven't had the opportunity to connect with or do a full podcast interview with and i'm trying to have them teach me something for 20 minutes so uh, saturday yesterday i had uh, my friend matt he taught me how to uh, go from an idea to a published book in like between a week and a month, which was really, really valuable. Wow. Um, 
I've had my friend Spencer from Vancouver come on and teach me how to do coffee cupping. I've had my friend Natalie, uh, just north of here in Seattle, teach me like her macaron recipe because I just think her macarons are like, they rival the best pastry shops in Paris. Uh, and it's just been really cool to like just DM someone and say, Hey, will you hop on a live stream with me? There's no fancy equipment required, but I want you to teach me something. And then that will hopefully like I, I learn something. And then by me learning, somebody else can, uh, you know, tune in, ask their questions to these experts and come away with something. That's the first thing that I would point people to. And I'm at Justin Kana on Instagram. The other one is, um, I'm publishing, reps two this week. So reps is my series uh, that I started when I was really frustrated by not being able to give someone a quick answer to how can I get faster with my prep. And so I was inspired by a bunch of the kind of fitness influencers on YouTube that would put out follow along routines where you could do like exercises at home. And I think that's so funny at the time because now we're seeing that being people's only option. But I came out with a series where you could buy some low cost ingredients and then have a routine that takes you through a couple of different practical knife cuts, right? We've, we've all seen the, the, you know, very stereotypical culinary school or like the Jacques Pepin, uh, knife cuts, uh, series where it's like, yeah, I could do these, but like these, these, these aren't actually cuts that I do at work. And so I tried to make it, you know, very conducive to what chefs in 2020 are having their cooks do for, uh, their prep for their dishes. And so uh, reps one was all about potatoes and lemons. Reps two is all about radishes and shallots. And so I'm taking everybody through like a bunch of different exercises that will hopefully and improve their skills. But this is very timely because, you know, everybody's stuck at home and, you know, maybe your restaurant has switched from the more fine dining tasting menu to something a little bit more casual and you miss those intricate knife cuts for the tasting menu. So um, that's going up on YouTube this week. It will probably be up and running by the time that, uh, this podcast goes up. Um, so those would be the two, um, that I would enjoy having you join, join in with if it's possible. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think the reps idea is, I mean, I think that's a business in itself. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, if, if I could get, you know, nationwide kits up and running to send people reps thing, reps kits, uh, that, that is a business idea in and of itself. But in the vein of everything that I'm trying to like pitch, it's, it's free to consume. I have a downloadable free PDF graphic to go along with it. So you can download it on your phone and then like put it in your notes app and then use the markup feature to like, uh, put your time down so you can like track your progress over, you know, X amount of time. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's all free because I really think that like it's, I can put it out there and it's going to be free and the people who are going to take the most advantage of it and really improve, um, are going to do it or find a way to get it for free because they're just so hungry to improve. I have no desire to sell it for 60 bucks and, you know, have somebody buy it and then have it sit in their, in their, YouTube queue and they're never going to watch it or they're never going to buy the ingredients and do it. Um, so those are the people that I want to reach and the shortest, the the smallest amount of friction I can give between the improvement and that person. That's kind of like, that's, that's what I'm excited about. So that's why I do it in this way. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm really excited for reps and yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, if I have 
you know, we'll work out me coming on the live show, but I think that's a really cool idea as well. That is it. That is a good idea. I, I want to hear about your book or I want to hear about like, uh, it would be cool to do like a, like a podcast basics, uh, I mean, learn stream. Yeah. Because I think out of everyone, I might have the, the least, uh, <laughs> finesse set up. Um, well, and y- yeah, you've gone through it. Like it's scrappy. You, you've probably watched a ton of tutorials and reviews on mics and setups and all this stuff. That could be a good one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, let's do it. Uh, just let me know when and, cool. you know, yeah. definitely be down. Um, deal, deal. Uh, well, yeah, but like, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Um, dude, thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, definitely. You're always welcome on the show and, you know, I feel like whenever there's something I want to get like talk about or talk through, you know, you being as somewhat of a mentor to me over this and, you know, still giving me so much great advice. I wanted to have you on once again, just to kind of talk through it. Cause I knew, you know, like you said, a lot of people are in a funk right now. And I think you as a person is someone who's always moving forward and trying to evolve and trying to make the best of the situations. And I really wanted to have you on to kind of get me back into the shape of, you know, having that positive mentality, but also hopefully sh- uh, sharing that with someone else. So like I said, thank you so much for coming on and it means a ton. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I hope everybody in the line cook nation stays safe and practices all the good things and that you and yours are, are doing well. And to echo what Ray just said, I'm all about improving. And I think that there's a lot of people listening that are also of the same mindset. So let's continue to do it together. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, man. We did it. You're in outro land now. Thank you so much. I appreciate your ears more than you'll ever know. Hey, by making it to the end, you're the type of person that I want to speak to directly. This little production is constantly growing. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like what I'm trying to do with this show and want to make sure more people can find us, a free way to help out that takes less than three minutes is to leave The Emulsion a great review on iTunes. If you didn't enjoy this show, please also leave a review. I'm happy to take any constructive feedback you've got. If you want to learn more about supporting this show with your hard-earned cash, patreon.com slash justinkana is the place to do that. I've got tiers starting at just $1 per month. Let's say you just like being involved through suggesting stories to be covered or asking questions to my interview guests. You can stay up to date by following along on Twitter or Instagram that is linked up in the description for your convenience or always available on justincona.com. If you're on YouTube and listening, you can take this show on the go because this is available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. And if you prefer video versions of things like my interview shows or the shorter intermezzo episodes and you're listening audio only, please check out my YouTube channel to see more of that. Now's normally where I'd say my name is Justin Kana and I hope you have a good one, but you've probably got another podcast episode to listen to. So I'm just going to get out of the, out of the way here. Excuse me. Pardon me.